Howdy do who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast, my name's Gary, my name's Adam, and welcome to episode 216. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy do, who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you all managed to do something. Something Doctor Doctor Who related. related. Yeah, Yeah, man, yeah. Do you think we should get cushion in that intro? <laughs> We've got all the dots. We should get Peter cushion in that intro. Squeeze, Squeeze another up, yeah. one in. Squeeze Just make some. it a half hour intro. <laughs> We'd also need the guy that played Hartnell then in the uh, five hundred. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. We'd also we... need the guy that played Doctor Who in the theatre back in the 80s, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, completely forgotten his name. Yeah. Yes, him. I'm trying to think of quotes now, so Cushion we could have back in the cell yes. uh, um, for, uh, who's the other one you just said? I can't remember his name, but we, there was a Doctor oh. Who run at the theatre, wasn't there, back in, I'm sure it was the 80s or yeah. somewhere like that. And That's right. Because there was the, the big um, discussion that you and I always have about the TARDIS prop in the Who shop. They reckon it's from... Oh, the Cushion movies? They, they reckon it's from there. Yeah. Don't they? But someone has said that actually it looks like the prop they used in the stage show. Oh, right. Okay. So there's a bit of, uh, I mean, I'm sure it is from the cushion. I'm, you know, not doubting that, but there is some discussion around that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I always have a look at that TARDIS when I go in. Yes. Yeah. Anyone that doesn't know, in London, there's a shop simply called The Who Shop. And it's a, as you, the name suggests, you toddle in there and it's, jammed back full of Doctor Who merchandise. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's a really cool place, actually. Really, I haven't been there in a while. I went through a phase of going there. Sort of I was just going to say, you were in there every week pretty much not that long ago. I think yeah. I'm going there at the weekend. Are you? I think so. 
cool. Yeah. The missus said, we haven't been into London for a while. Do you fancy a trip? Uh, oh, yeah, nice. go on then, go on then. But it's very cool. They've got a mix of sort of the latest merch that the BBC puts out. They buy all that stuff in. Plus they've got a bunch of really old classic collectibles and books and all sorts. And they've got a little museum there. And Oh, I love the yeah, little museum. Cool. On the, on the wall, as you leave the museum, they've got like thousands of photos and the people who own the shop have met just about everybody to do with Doctor Who you could ever imagine from, yeah. from the beginning of time. And it is just, I tell you, I could just stand and stare at that wall of photos for hours as everybody from Doctor Who is on there. It's incredible. It's very cool. They've got their own range of t-shirts as well. Yeah. So they've got a, a, a wall that's basically just t-shirts and there's stuff that they print there themselves that you won't find not the base unofficial doctor who t-shirts basically but some of them are very cool yeah 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 it's a good place so uh, yeah i think you're due a, a visit i think yeah i just like having a look through everything it just feels like you know it's one of those places where every time you go in there you feel like you're going in there for the first time mm. like there's loads to see they've always got new i mean there's stuff in there that's been in that's been there for sale for donkey's years but they haven't shifted, you know, the stuff that's still there that, you know, but they also get other bits in as well. Just little, little nuggets of stuff when you think, oh, I haven't seen that before. I, I do yeah. love it. I haven't been there for a couple of months at least because it, it's a slightly out of it. It's in London, but it's like right on the outskirts of London, isn't it? Um, is it Upton Park or that's it? Yeah. Somewhere near there. And it's, uh, yeah, so it's a bit out the way. Uh, I, I, cause that's the thing. It's to me, it's a bit like a treat. <laughs> like, Forbidden Planet, every time I go to London, I always go there because, you know, it's right in the centre of London. It's so easy to get to. The Who Shop, it's kind of way out of the way. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like, a, if I know I'm going to go there, it's like a treat. It's like, oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to actually take the tube to the Who Shop this time. Uh, yeah, and it is, it is cool. I do. I could spend hours just looking looking around there. Yeah. No, I read you. It's out of the way. I think it's, so from central London, it's probably 20 minutes, half an hour on the tube out towards... Oh, it is, yeah. Upton Park, yeah. The only reason that I frequent it, or, or did quite a lot, is because my wife, she's, a, she's an East End girl, so when we go into London, she likes to go up that way or out that way. Mm. So we're sort of in that area already. But if, if that wasn't the case, it'd probably be like you, mate, I'd just go up there every now and then. But there, there, There's almost. another reason I'm avoiding it as well, because I dropped and smashed my Robert Harrop Tetrap figure which I was distraught about because I blimmin' love that figure. Um, I think they've got one in there, and I was thinking, I'm going to replace him. You know, <laughs> next time I go to the shop, I'm going to get one of the I'm just going to replace him because I've glued him back together, but, you know, <laughs> it does, no, it's not, it doesn't look great, to be honest. So, but, so I'm thinking, so I can't, yeah, I know I won't be able to go to the shop and resist not buying a replacement tech trap, so... I'm kind of like scared to go in there because of that, because I suspect it'll be about 80 or 90 quid in there. So, yeah, that's the other reason I've not been going that way recently. Watch just, the you know, my willpower. Yeah, I've got to watch the old wallet. Yeah. Yeah, I know your willpower. Yeah. For God's sake. For, mm. for the last couple of months, myself and Adam have, have had conversations around the Series 11 box set. Yeah. And every time we've spoken about it, We've we've both been on the same page where it's like, nah, I'm not going to pre-order it. It's you know, it's no biggie. Just when it comes out later on, <laughs> yeah. a bit cheaper, I'll pick it up. What do I see on Twitter yesterday or the day before? Adam out bloody hunting for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blame Adam the Ultimate Hoobied <laughs> for this. Uh, my good friend, I met up with him 
and uh, and another friend and we went around the shops and um we we couldn't find it anywhere so we just wanted to have a look at it see what the packaging was like and stuff we couldn't find it anywhere hrv didn't have it uh, went to the supermarkets nobody had it and then there's a pub that we go to right next to sainsbury's so we go into sainsbury's and there's they've got one on the shelf just just you know no dvd nothing in the char just one up on the thing and um and it's got that that what's that word i can never say lenticular 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 cover yeah it's got that on it and i was like ooh, shiny cover ooh. (laughs) and uh yeah so i bought it like a bloody magpie (laughs) magpie yeah well i think it was i i i kind of got it in the back of my head from the from the word go actually because because i cancelled the steelbook um because of the price i was like no nah, you know, i'm not getting that steelbook it's 50 quid i thought so i might just get the standard packet you know i might just get the standard one because i've cancelled the steelbook so I'll, I'll have a look at it and see if it looks good and i might get that instead because to be fair you know it's a lot less money than the steelbook and it the packaging on it is awesome it does look um, nice yeah it does they've really i've got to say yeah you know take away your thoughts of series 11 they've done a great job on the actual set the way it looks and uh yeah and my willpower being absolutely zero uh i bought it i i was looking at it yesterday actually i mean the the set not the show itself and um i, I, I kind of don't regret buying it i know i'm going to see it cheaper down the line but um but because hmv is closing as well which i'm absolutely i'm so gutted that we're losing hmv sad isn't it yeah. i was sort of thinking where are we gonna so where are we going to be able to buy these things now, apart from online? Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking, yeah, it'll probably come down in price, but I'll have to buy it online and stuff. And I do like picking box sets up in shops because otherwise they they tend to arrive dented when I order them. Well, you know, you know my luck with a post. So I was sort of justifying it in my head. I was like, I'm not going to be able to find it in a shop because H and V's not stocking it. They're closing down, and you know, I'm, and it's in front of me now, so I'm just going to buy it. And uh, yeah, I've got to say, mate, the set looks really nice. They've done a great job with it, but um, I haven't watched it any of the episodes yet. I haven't even taken a disc out of it yet. And also, I've got to laugh at the <laughs> on the back. It says in big letters, "Over an hour of extra features." And I was like, "Over an hour? You used to do like a whole disc of about five hours, but over an hour, like that's a treat." But yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of extra stuff on it. Oh dear. No, no deleted scenes, nothing, which is very disappointing. So the set looks nice, but content-wise, probably not that great. Yeah, I'm, I'm still gonna just, I'll pick it up in. I don't know. <laughs> we were joking when we were looking around the shops. We were like, well, they haven't got it. They haven't got it. No one's stocking it. And then Ad was like, I wonder if CEX love it. Like someone's already <laughs> put it into CEX. <laughs> the only it place in. you can find it yeah. on day of release. Yeah. It's sad about HMV. I know what you mean. It's nice to be able I'm to gutted have a, about that. Yeah, a look around. I think I don't know, mate. It's a sad time to the high street in the UK in general. I mean, I think in a hundred years' time, when we're all when we're all past and the next generation are doing their thing, there probably won't be high streets. There'll just be one huge, massive Amazon web uh, warehouse in, yeah. in place of the town centre, and you just go in there and do whatever. I feel like it'd be a kablam situation. There'll just be one huge. <laughs> website um website i keep saying that there'll be a huge warehouse somewhere and you go in there and you can have a look and glorified argos yeah it probably will it is sad because i mean things like you know like the season 18 box set that's coming out which i just i can't wait for that and Mm -hmm. those sets are so nice 
um, you know, HMV had the season 19 set, but they won't get the season 18. They'll probably be closed by the time that comes out. And, and that's the sort of thing I feel always feel anxious about ordering online because it's so easy for it to get little dents in it or a lot of people had it arrive um, ripped inside where the case that holds the Blu-rays is too heavy when it's moving around in transit. So it actually rips mm-hmm. the sort of four little stickers at the back, if you see what I mean. It rips yeah. the actual packaging. And a lot of people had that problem. And I was thinking that those sort of things make me anxious about ordering online i'd much rather go into hmv and just find one on the shelf take a quick look yeah looks good and buy it you know what i mean so i am really sad we're losing hmv also i used to work for hmv and i'll tell you it's one of the happiest i was i mean you can you know me you know how much i love my physical blu-rays and (laughs) cds i've never been happier than when i was surrounded by them working in that environment i absolutely one of the happiest times of my life was working hmv so I'm, i'm gutted that they're closing. I mean, there's still hope. I was I was working there when they closed last time, <laughs> and they just at the last the eleventh hour managed to yeah. get saved. Um, so you know, there's a small chance it could happen again. I really hope it does, but it doesn't. I, I don't know. I think they were lucky last time. I don't know if it'll happen again. No, I think they're fighting a bit of a losing battle, mate. To be honest with you, I know it's just yeah, it's it's just a shame because a lot of stuff is now. It's going the same way with video, like video games now. We're shifting slowly towards digital as digital, opposed to yeah. physical copies. The same with, you know, most things. I mean, I think there is still a need for physical media. I think that's still the yeah. case. It's just how you get it, you know. People are just more comfortable. I mean, this is a common knowledge anyway, but, you know, people mm-hmm. are just more comfortable to sit there with a computer or an app, whatever, and just bing, you know, bosh, 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 that's everything coming tomorrow. You know, don't have to leave the house. Lovely. Yeah, just too easy. It's too, too convenient it is. and easy. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. I've had a, I have quite a lot of problems with my things arriving damaged. Like I had the Series Eleven soundtrack. I've had a lot of stuff recently just arrive damaged. So the, I've been cancelling all my subscriptions for magazines and stuff recently because they just arrive folded in half, and I'd rather just buy them off on the mm-hmm. shelf. So, yeah, I, I kind of had a had enough at the weekend of uh, another magazine. Doctor Who, when the little comic arrived folded in half, and I was like, all right, that's it. I cancelled the subscription, you know, I was going to get it in store. Um, I had the Series 11 soundtrack turn up. Um, I ordered the sort of digipack. Uh, got, oh, yeah. Yep. Got a big ding right in the middle of the, because it's like a soft, you know, digipack cover. Got a ding in the middle of the cover. I opened it up. One of the little claws that holds the CD in the plastic case is broken inside. I was just like, oh, it's just everything. I order online to just smack. So I'm trying to, that's what I'm getting at, is I'm trying to, really minimize everything i order through the post because i'd rather just get it in the shop and know that i've actually got you know one that isn't broken Mm -hmm. because i can't be bothered to send it back or complain it's just like it's not enough to warrant sending back it's just a little annoying things like that you know what i mean uh talking to series 11 soundtrack have you been you've been listening to it i have mate yeah i've gone through it a few times now it's um yeah it's a very relaxing soundtrack. So, I was going to say, because a few people have said, oh, it's really boring. And that, <laughs> I would say it's, I think as a background music, it's brilliant. Like yes. I had it on when I was faffing around the house doing little bits the other day. And it was brilliant because it's quite, it's sort of quite calming. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be a sort of bit where it picks up and you sort of feel all motivated. Like I was on the computer tapping away <laughs> as if I was in some film. And it's like, yeah, here we go. Let's get this done. Um, so I think his background music, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Actually, I love it in that sense. If you're actually just sat down listening to it, 
as music, you know, as, as pieces, it's um, it's a bit samey, isn't it? It's uh, it's not so. It's not like Murray's out soundtracks where you'll sit down and think there's like themes and bits that jump out at you and you think, oh, that's yeah. a nice piece. And this is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it, but I can see why people, if they, you know, if they just sat there listening to it, not doing anything, why they might get bored after about ten minutes. Yes, because it yeah. is sort of on one pace a lot of the time. <laughs> Yeah, I know, Rejo, a lot of people have said that. It's, um, yeah, because of, uh, I work from home, I have music on obviously all the time and it's normally soundtracks that I listen to. And no, yeah. no word of a lie, I probably listen, I've probably listened to a, a, a piece of Doctor Who soundtrack every single day for mm. as long as I can remember. It's sort of, I either put it on, you know, all of the series one through to whatever, or it's just a track will come up as a playlist that, you know, Spotify has worked up for me. And I still listen to Murray's music every day. I still listen to it. But um, Segan's music, it's really nice just to have in the... I think that's the key thing. You nailed it there. It's just in the background while you're doing mm. something. It's great. But I think if you were to sit there to explicitly listen to something with headphones on, then it's probably worth doing that when you're in bed. Mm. sort of drifting off sort of thing but um but it definitely has it a, a purpose though it definitely serves its purpose in terms of those stories in the series oh yeah, yeah. definitely yeah it's does it it slightly annoys me that they're out of um sequence as well i, I know why they do that to make the sort of music flow better i suppose but the yeah it sort of goes from a kablam track to you know suddenly back to the punjab track and then back to you know, they're not in order of the yeah, episode. Yeah. So it's, and then it's kind of like Rose, there's a Rosa track near the end and stuff. And I'm thinking, uh, part of me wants to re re sync it and put it into episode order, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, the, the bass on the theme tune sounds fantastic through headphones. That, that, oh, does, boom, yeah. boom, oh, when I first, yeah, I put my headphones on first press play. I was like, oh, this sounds fantastic. It does yeah. sound awesome. Yeah. yeah, and it can be quite motivating. I did, I was listening to it on the bus yesterday, heading off on the bus, and it does make you feel like you're in a film. Like then you sort of sat there, just sort of looking, you know, taking in the surroundings, and you got ding 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 ding. You do suddenly feel like you stepped into a movie. It's pretty cool in that sense. It is. Yeah. 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 It's all good. Yeah. Did you buy the physical format? Do you just download it or Spotify? You listening to it on Spotify? On listening on Spotify. Yeah, I thought yeah. you might be. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. Yeah. Yeah, I will pick it up. I will do. But for now, yeah, it's everything's on there, so. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Booked my ticket, as you did, you did for the um, Logopolis showing at the BFI. Yeah, got back my ticket, yeah. That's going to be an amazing one. I'm looking forward to that. There's no guests announced for this one, because uh, normally they have a few guests, don't they? Like, uh, we had Matthew Warthouse and Eric Saywood yes. at the last one, but there's no guests at this one. Uh, which won't bother me too much because they do tend to go on quite long anyway, don't they? So <laughs> if we don't get any guests, then then fine. Uh, it'll still be a great day. I'm just looking forward to the, the meet-up and seeing Legopolis on the big screen. But um, but if we did get a couple of guests, you know I'd love to be there? Who's that? Janet Fielding. Oh, Janet Fielding, yeah. Because it's, yeah. A, Janet Fielding, because it's her first story, isn't it? And I would just think she'd be fantastic on stage um, talking to those guys uh, that do the interviews. Um I don't think it'll happen, but uh, wouldn't that be awesome? It would, it would be very cool. Yeah. Very I cool. think the fact that there's no, they normally tell us in advance if there's going to be guests. So I think the fact there isn't any probably no. means there won't be, but uh, maybe they'll drag Frank Skinner up on stage again like they normally do. Yeah. He's a good one when you've got, he's normally good. To, yeah. He's normally all of these. It's only, um, 
I say only. It's it's a four-parter, isn't it, Legopolis? It's not a six. It's a four-parter. Four-parter, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not too bad. Your bum sort of gets a little bit numb when you have to sit through the six. Yeah. Six-parters, but no, this will be too bad. I wonder if it'd be nice if Tom did a little message, um, like the last time, was it? It was when we went to see Genesis of the Daleks hmm. at the BFI. Tom did a specially recorded message before and after, didn't he? Which was brilliant. So such a nice little uh, exclusive thing from him. It'd be nice if they did that again, but you know, yeah. we don't know. Who knows? We don't Who know. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Found this cool book the other day. Oh yeah. You know, we were quite big fans, or relatively big fans, of uh, the Witch Finders. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the better ones, yeah. Is it The Witchfinders from Series 11? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's this really cool book called The Witch Hunters, or just Doctor Who Witch Hunters, which is part of the history collection. It's a Hartnell story, Mm. and um, about two-thirds of the way through it, and it's a belter of a story, mate. I was just looking up on my shelf to see if I got it now. Oh, cool. Where did you find that, then? Yeah, it's a belter. So I was doing some research for uh, a couple of weeks ago for an article that um, I put out on the website, which was uh, five ways to get through no new Doctor Who. Mm. So I've gone through like a load of stuff to get into, like, you know, big finish and conventions and all that stuff. And I've put a section on there about books. And when I was researching it, I just was trying to find books that I have read that I could recommend, plus a load of stories that I haven't read that people rate quite highly. And I came yeah. across this one called Witch Hunters. And uh, it's essentially set around a similar time to that story. Uh, the Witchfinder, so it's in the Salem witch trial sort of era. Okay. But I tell you what, buddy, it's a cracker of a story. And it's, it's a first Doctor story? First Doctor story, yeah. Oh, it's, cool. Um, uh, it's called Doctor Who, the uh, Witch Hunter, as part of the history collection. It's only seven quid or something paperback. Mm. Um, but it's written in, like the um, the author, Steve Le- uh, Lyons, or Leons, he, he writes Hartnell really, really well. So, oh, okay. You know there are some books that you read when... You're, as you're reading somebody's dialogue, you can hear a character in your head talking yeah. through that dialogue. You yeah. can absolutely hear Hartnell in your head as you're reading through it. All right, cool. Yeah, and it's sort of dark in a few places and it's a bit creepy and stuff. So any fans that liked The Witch Finders from Series 11, definitely check this story out. It's really, really good. Cool. Yeah, I've heard of it. I was, I was, I'm just looking on my shelf. I'm sure I've got that somewhere. I can't remember now. I've got yeah. so many books. I'll tell you the one I'm looking forward to is the which must be coming out in the next couple of weeks, is the Tom Baker book, Scratch Man. Oh, Scratch Man, yeah. The, yeah, that unfinished Dot Two story that he's completed with James Goss. And mm. uh, yeah, that's that's one I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yes. That must be coming out soon. I keep seeing it. I keep seeing it sort of popping up on various platforms, so it must be due very soon. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Right, we normally we crack through news and merch. Mm. But we have no news this week. There's no news. <laughs> There's no news. <laughs> There's no news. It's weird because uh, normally you'd expect some news to roll on for a little while into the new year before it dries up. But already the tumbleweed is. This could, yeah, this yeah. could be for a while, couldn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know when they start filming series twelve, but I imagine we may be short of news for some weeks to come. While, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not sure. But we do have a couple of bits that our. Our miserable metal friend has brought in, so <laughs> let's have a look. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. 
It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Vinyl records. We like a bit of vinyl, don't we? We do like a bit of vinyl. Yeah. New one coming out. Or is out. Or is coming out. Mm, yeah, no, February the something or other is out. Oh, February. I can't remember the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's soon. Yeah. The Daleks Master Plan mm. is due out in a new style of vinyl because so far the Doctor Who vinyl that you would have seen in shops would have either been a big finish release or one of the reissued classic vinyls from yesteryear. Mm. They were very popular on record store day, do you remember? That's it, yeah. Those old yeah. ones. Uh, but the there's a new company called uh, Demon Music Group and they've kicked off a new series of Doctor Who uh, releases as part of their, uh, what's it called, Vinyl Who collection, mm. uh, which I assume this is the first of potentially many to come. Uh, so they've had uh, good success with The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the League of Gentlemen releases. So this one is the uh, the Hartnell story, um, which was one of the, is it one of the lost stories? Dalek's master plan. Yeah, I think most of it's lost. Yeah, yeah it's not there, yeah. is it? So um, it's essentially, um, uh, it's 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 like the, the talking story, if you like, if that's the best way to describe it, would you say? Yeah. Um, so this is written, obviously, by Terry Nation. It's an old Dalek story, Dennis Spooner. And um, it's, let's have a look. It's got, a, the cast is Peter Purvis, Stephen, um, Nicholas Courtney. Mm, uh, yes. Which is which is cool. Um, here, look, uh, Kevin Stoney, uh, Sarah Kingdom, Peter Butterworth as the meddling monk. It's basically, it's like, it's almost like a big finish, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's not quite, it's hard to explain. It's like a story with a cast, but it's not quite as in-depth as a big finish story, I would say. I always wanted to wish this existed because I'd love to see the meddling monk, monk pop up again. <laughs> I think he's only in one episode or something. I can't remember now, but... Yeah, I was always intrigued by that, the fact he does pop up in this. Because uh, it's quite a mammoth story, isn't it? It's pretty big, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the mammoth story reflects in the mammoth price. Yes, it does. So if you want one of these, you're going to have to cough up 100 quid. Mm. 100 pounds for the vinyl. That comes in two different versions, strangely both for the same price. Yeah, but, I thought that. Yeah. yeah, so you've got the Dalek Master Plan, which is the collector's edition, it's labelled as, and that comes with uh, like the semi-transparent, the translucent vinyl with like this dark blue navy sort of colour, mm. which is quite nice. But then they've got the Dalek's Master Plan Exclusive Edition Limited Edition <laughs> <laughs> um, set, uh, and that comes in a very striking, uh, the vinyl's a very bright orange uh, colour. That uh, looks nice, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So it's still mm. the translucent version, but it's it's sort of a bright orange. Both are the same price on Amazon I'm looking at at the moment, $99.99, out in the middle of February. The cover is gorgeous. I will it's say that. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, who's done that? I'd love to know who's done that artwork because it is, I absolutely love that style and I've seen that style before, but I can't think where, but it's, yeah, I really love the artwork. It looks awesome, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So vinyl is kind of a weird one because it's not like the big finish releases where they, especially the box sets, you know, they look lovely on the shelf. 
mm. vinyl when you put that on the shelf you don't really see it so it's a bit of a strange one these are not really sort of what's the word to use the phrase they're not sort of bragging rights for the shelf so to speak because when you well unless you display it front onwards somehow <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm not sure but when you just have a row of vinyl you hard you know the spine's very very thin so um, this is not one for bragging rights on the shelf because nobody would notice it walking past the shelf, but you'd have to really love Doctor Who vinyl and the story to pick this one up, I would say, especially for 100 quid. Yeah, it's a shame about the price, isn't it? Because I'll I tell you, I'd love to get the the collector's 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 edition or whatever it's called with the fiery red vinyl. I mean, that looks beautiful. And the cover's just absolutely stunning. I, you know, the artwork. I, I would love this, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't quite justify 100 pounds for that unfortunately um how many vinyls is it it's quite a lot isn't it so one two three four five six seven eight i think if i'm counting correctly can't quite tell from this picture so, so yeah. you get a fair you get a fair few vinyls but um i'm just wondering as well because they just found those new soundtracks didn't they which uh where they said oh gosh the audio quality is much better than we've ever had before that's true and i thought yeah. thinking oh it's obviously i bet this just missed the mark you know this will be the whatever they had before won't it it can't possibly be those new recordings they found because they've only just found them this yeah, would have recent. been yeah yeah they couldn't have even remastered them yet so that's a bit of a shame um uh, but i'm intrigued to see what the forthcoming releases are as well if this is the first of a few um mm. i'm guessing they're all going to be i don't know they might not all be that price though because i guess this is expensive because it's so many vinyls yeah Maybe. You'd and if they've so. got that same similar artwork. So definitely going to keep an eye and see what else um, gets released. Yeah. Yeah. Excl- yeah. One of them is exclusive to Amazon as well. See, comes back to what I was saying before. Got to order it from those guys. Ooh. Yeah, I know, mate. Anyway, uh, to other things uh, coming out from our good Dalek friend. He's got uh, a big finish release here, which is quite exciting, actually. So if you're fans of the Seventh Doctor story, uh, the greatest show in the galaxy like Gary and I are, um, you'll be pleased to hear that they're bringing back a character from that story. Uh, Mags, Mags, the werewolf or whatever. <laughs> was she, well, she wasn't a werewolf, was she? But she did go a bit werewolfy. Uh, <laughs> she's coming back and doing a big finish with the seventh doctor called the Monsters of Gokroth. Um, and I'm just going to read you a little synopsis because actually this sounds really good. Uh, it says, The people of Gokroth live in fear of the monsters in the forest, creatures with scales and fur, teeth and claws. But worse than these, perhaps, is the strange doctor who does unspeakable, unholy work in the high castle on the mountain. Mm. The doctor who's about to receive a visit from an off-worlder, Mags, formerly of the Psychic Circus, a native of the planet Volpana. I think that's right. A monstrous secret on her own. So written by Matt Fitton and coming out in, when did we say it was? March? Was Sometime it? in April. April. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this is, is normally they do a trilogy. I'm assuming it's a trilogy of Seventh Doctor stories. And um, but yeah, it's great to have uh, Jessica Martin returning as Mags. Very cool, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. Big finish alluring quite some great people to to over to them at the minute, which is which is brilliant. So yeah. So there is another release after that, and I'm assuming yeah. So it looks like there's going to be a trilogy with Mags, which is very cool. Yeah. Very cool because her character was really good in Greatest Show. Oh, yeah. Well, I love that story anyway. Yeah, so I think, yeah, this is, I think I might have to get this. I'm really trying to scale down on the amount of Big Finisher buy. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Because yeah. they've just released um, a Fifth Doctor trilogy featuring Chameleon. They brought Chameleon back, uh, voiced by John Colshaw, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get those. But 
sadly i i haven't because of money but um i might i might have to get these i think (laughs) (laughs) they do they do sound good i love the synopsis for that as well it sounds brilliant what why is the doctor lurking in a castle doing unspeakable work i mean what what's going on yes (laughs) look professor yes i know it's a bloody castle (laughs) what are you doing in there professor (laughs) yeah that's cool the cover art for that um story you mentioned the fifth doctor one uh devil in the mist with the chameleon Mm. The cover art's wicked for that. Will Brooks nailed that one. Looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to get nice them thing. at some point. Mm. Yes. It doesn't say who the cover artist for um, the Monsters of Gokroth is, but uh, mm. it does look very cool. It does. Yes. So there we go. Fill your ears with plenty of big finish. Yeah, get you going while you're waiting for Series 12. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, right. Merch done. Time for the review. What are we doing this week, buddy? So, yeah, back to Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, We're on series two now, and this is the second story in that series, and it's called The Day of the Clown. Boys, I have no idea what they're moving in over the road from. (laughs) Ronnie, my family just moved into Bannerman Road. These kids go missing, though. That is weird. And the police just don't have a clue. Welcome to Spellman's Magical Museum. Of the circus. Mom, I think you have to tell her everything. I want to know the truth. This is a Borgut defence field emitter. Morning. I'm going to find out what you are, Odd Bob. We're only scared of what we don't understand. I will chill the blood of a nation. But millions will shudder, sleepless, with a bone gnawing fear. Day of the Clown. Mm. Bloody clowns. I know. They do get everywhere, don't they? They do, in all the cracks. Mm. (laughs) This was out in October of 2008. It was written by Phil Ford, directed by Michael Carrigan. Uh, Stars the usual attic crew, minus um, Maria. Yeah. She has been paid, although she is in it as a little voice bit at the beginning on the phone. That's right. And uh, is replaced by a new character, which we'll come on to. I think replaced is the right word, isn't it? It definitely feels like a yeah a, a replacement, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Day of the Clown, it's, um, it's one of those uh, stories where um, it's not one of those big archy type of series stories it's a really cool individual story where the old really old myth or legend if you like of the pied piper sort of comes into present day and the uh it starts with um a load of kids going missing from the high school Mm. that luke and clyde and so on attend and sarah jane and those guys figure out that there's a um, a, a strange uh, looking uh, evil clown uh, on the loose in the town. Um, it starts off with Clyde and and Rani noticing this weird clown. It turns out if you got a ticket for this new circus show, then you were targeted almost by this creepy clown. And they realise as they go through the story that a meteorite fell to earth hundreds of years ago, or thousands of years ago, whatever. And the entity that was contained in the meteorite uh, gain strength by feeding off people's fear, which it started doing off by the fear of rats in the 
in the town near where it landed, hence the Pied Piper legend. And then it grew into feeding off the fear of children, hence the clown um, representation and so on. And uh, it's kind of, a, it feels like a, um, it almost feels like a bit of a mini reboot, this story, because the last Antara and we still had um, Maria and all that stuff going on, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, this one, it feels like there's a new family moved in opposite Sarah Jane's house, new headmaster in the school because it's her dad and so on. Um, yeah, so it feels like a, not a reboot as such, but it just feels like a bit of a little mini reset where they establish like the new attic family, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Day of the Clown. Little two-parter. What do you reckon? Yeah, so it's basically Sarah Jane meets Stephen King's It, isn't it? Very much <laughs> For the most so. Part. Yeah. yeah, definitely got um, some influence from that. Um, yeah, so I, I thought this was a very nice little two-parter, actually. Um, didn't quite blow me away as some stories have so far that we've watched. I mean, I, I found it very enjoyable and I liked it. Um, I think because of some of the themes in it, it felt a little bit unoriginal in terms of the clown. You know, when people see the clown and then someone walks in the room and he disappears and all the red balloon thing, which we've seen in it. So some of the ideas didn't feel that fresh in it, which I think slightly took away uh, from the actual story. But but as a piece of, uh, you know, sort of two 25-minute segments of television, I was perfectly, yeah, found it perfectly enjoyable. And, um, and I thought it was good, you know. And it's a nice introduction for... The new family as well. Nice introduction for the new character of Rani. Mm -hmm. Um, Clyde kind of stole the show, I think, throughout this story. He's really good in this one, you you know, with all the humor and and he gets to sort of do quite a lot in it. So, yeah, but overall, yeah, overall it worked. I think it just, yeah, just um, could have been slightly better, I feel. like I mean, Bradley Walsh is so creepy as a clown. I think he could have been utilized a bit more over the two parts if... That's the only thing I would say. I kept thinking, you know, he needs to do a bit more. He keeps popping up and being creepy, but he's not really doing anything. But yeah, but no, overall, I, I thought this is another solid two part, mate. I, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I don't think it was amazing, but I, I did did think it was good. Cool. What, what did you think? Cool, yeah. Um, before watching this one, because this is one of the Sarah Jane stories that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. And I think, yeah, I don't want to sound like a stuck record as we go through these, but... Uh, I think from here on in, I haven't seen any Sarah Jane stories from this point onwards. Okay, all right. Uh, So, um, yeah, so going into it, I was quite excited because I'd heard really good things about it. Mm. And also it's written by Phil Ford, who's who's a cracking writer in my opinion. I must admit, it's when his name popped up at the start, I was like probably the same as you thinking, ah, Phil Ford, we're in safe hands here. He's, He's normally very good, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, he, he wrote a bunch of stuff for Sarah Jane, but um, mm. he wrote The Waters of Mars, which is a, you and I love that story. So, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And I was quite excited going in for those two reasons. But at the end of it, I felt similar to you. I felt, yeah, that was a great story. And I really love watching the Sarah Jane adventures. I've, I sort of instantly fell in love with it in a way that I didn't think that I would do mm. um, before we started doing the reviews. So I love watching it. It's a really cool. But I just felt like they borrowed too much from Stephen King's It and put those elements in there. Because like you said, some of it was very unoriginal. So the whole premise, if you like, was there's a a supernatural style clown that can disappear and all that stuff. And the the two things that really uh, 
made me think, oh, guys, come on, you should have tweaked it there. You should have changed your story. Um, just changed the narrative a bit there is the balloon thing because mm. that's just a symbolic thing from Stephen King's It. You know, you've literally just borrowed straight from, from yeah. there. And then the other thing was how the clown was defeated. So because because that's the whole thing, if anyone's seen Stephen King's It or read the book, that's the thing. You know, the clown, it feeds off of the fear of children. And that's what they used here. It's exactly the same story mechanism, if you like. Yeah. And then it gets defeated by, in the same way that it, you know, the, the children they or the adults, they rise up against it and, you know, and say that they're not scared of it anymore. So it begins to weaken and eventually die. And they did the same thing here with Clyde. He realizes that the clown's strong because of its people are scared of it. So he turns it on its head and starts cracking jokes and starts laughing like the opposite, mm. you know. So because of those two things, I did feel like, oh, you know, this this could have been, you know, a nine or a 10 out of 10 could have been. But because of those things, it's just, oh, guys, you know, I know it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to, when when you've created the idea of a, a creepy clown, there's only a couple of directions, I guess, you can go with it. Yeah, because you because Sarah we we've spoken about this a few times before because Sarah Jane is aimed at a younger audience. Sometimes you you can't go off on these mega twists and you can't go too crazy with the story because you're presenting it to children. So you kind of have to be a bit more direct. So I get it. I get you can't go too crazy with the story, but I don't know. I just felt like it was too much of a carbon copy. And it was, but because of that, it became quite predictable towards the end. Yeah, I, that's, that, I did have the same thoughts actually. Yeah, it, it it just and also it didn't seem to quite have enough storyline for the two episodes. I mean, they're only twenty five minutes each, um, and it just seemed like the, the actual sort of idea behind the story wasn't enough to fill that quite. Um, I mean, you had the introduction of the new family as well, which you know could have taken up a bit of screen time, which it did, but. Um, but yeah, I think like you, I kind of thought, yeah, it's drifting along nicely, but you know, there's not really a lot going on. The clown just keeps appearing and disappearing, which is something we've seen a, a thousand times in other TV shows and films as well. So I think like you, it was just a little bit too um, predictable and, and it was a little bit too much stuff we've seen before on television and film, you know, it's like, well, that's a bit unoriginal really. So uh, a bit like you, I mean, I feel Ford, he's a great writer, but I felt like he was a little bit, um, yeah, not, not let down by his writing, but it just wasn't quite up to his usual. It yeah. seemed a bit, uh, yeah, like he'd taken too much from other stuff. It was just a bit played by numbers at times. Yeah. No, Regis. So I, I think the, the, as usual, the dialogue written for Sarah Jane was, was good. I think it was the overall story concept that just felt a little bit lazy writing for me. Yeah, a little yeah, bit lazy. I, yeah, I feel the same. Yeah. Uh, I, lo I mean, I love the, I like the way the, the characters are introduced. This new family. I love the fact that Sarah Jane's like very much against having anyone else come in and join the attic crew, isn't she? After sort of Maria, mm -hmm. she's like, "We're not going through that again." You know, they don't get involved, and I like all the scenes of her trying to you know, um, find out if Maria's left any little bits around the house as she goes over to meet the new neighbours, but she's actually really there to scan for any alien tech or, or, or anything that might have been left behind and all that. So those those are nice little scenes and stuff. But and I, but then on the other, on the flip side of that, I like, also like the fact that Rani, rather than being this character that's sort of 
introduced to someone that's sort of um wowed by it all and oh i didn't expect that an alien she's actually the opposite isn't she? she's really wants to investigate and she's totally yeah. she's sort of ahead of the game in that respect whereas they're sort of trying to shield her and from all of it she's actually more involved than they are and i thought that was a nice little little twist rather than it being them introducing her oh my god it's aliens and massive you know <laughs> computer and all that she's actually like really already in, into all that stuff she's up for it yeah yeah so i liked that i thought that was a good little twist yeah yeah so i think yeah i mean we've kicked off with some negatives there but it was a good watch don't get me wrong it was a good enjoyable yeah, yeah, it's, an, yeah it's an enjoyable watch yeah absolutely yeah and some things like you said the with Sarah Jane being very cautious, you know, she absolutely, this is our little crew and it's very dangerous. She's really worried about mm. what could happen because in a similar vein to the doctor and the companions, really, the doctor can yeah. only do so much to keep them safe. And inevitably sometimes they do end up biting the dust, you know? Mm. So she feels it's in a similar vein to that. You know, she loves the companionship and the help and the little family almost nature of it which is which is lovely but she's very yeah she she just knows what's out there doesn't she she knows mm. what's you know potentially bad that could really do a number on them so i think that's a really nice way to set that relationship up where she's very she's very friendly and everything and everything's cool and i think um what you said earlier about clyde stealing the show i think it sometimes clyde can be a bit of a although he's a cool guy you know and he's cracks the jokes and stuff. Sometimes he's a crafty little bugger because mm. he stirs <laughs> the pot sometimes because he's, yeah. he's the one that puts the idea in Sarah Jane's head that Maria might have left behind a bunch of alien stuff. That's right, yeah. So the, even though he doesn't know for sure, he's just sort of stirring the pot a little bit, isn't he? I, um, I just really liked him in this because he, he's always sort of the joker of the pact, <laughs> um, but they sort of used it in a good way in this story of, of you know, they actually brought it into the storyline itself. Yeah. Obviously, that's how he defeats the clown at the end and stuff. So, yeah, but there was some just some great little one-liners from Clyde in this, great little moments of of humour that really land as well. That's the thing. Sometimes, you know, the humour in Doctor Who, for example, doesn't always, just doesn't <laughs> hit the mark, but because of his character and the way he plays it, yeah. it totally suits the, the story. And, and it, it was, he was making me laugh all, all the way through, really. Yeah. And it does, especially for younger viewers, if you were in mm. primary school or sort of early high school and you were watching this, it does provide a little bit of, and I'm not saying in any way that, if any of our younger listeners are in high school, whatever, that you should be the class clown, that you should just spend your day in school cracking jokes and messing around. I'm not saying that, but for no. any kids in, in high school that were a little bit of a joker and have a bit of a cheeky personality, it almost provided a little bit of validation to your personality because the Rani's dad, the new headmaster, is obviously completely strict, you know, and just kicks the crap out of all of them as he comes into the classroom and even yeah. the teacher. But Clyde's, you know, he sort of sticks to his guns, doesn't he? He still cracks the odd joke and stuff. Yeah. But then as we get through the story, and especially after the ending, Clyde's really proud of himself, isn't he? Because he's mm. almost saying in a roundabout way, look, even though I'm not a sort of an A-star student and you view me as a bit of a clown, I've actually saved the day because of yeah. my personality and my wisecracking. So it was a, in, in terms of that writing, it was a good way of sort of saying to kids, look, you don't have to be you know, heads down, A-star, boffin the entire time in your school career. If you do crack the odd joke, whatever, 
yeah, in some circumstances, it can, you know, benefit you in a way. So it is that sort of little rebellious, cheeky personality that makes his character, you know, not seem unrelatable, if that makes sense. It's, um, yeah, I was going to say the yeah. way he's written and the way he plays it is, 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 is just right on the line. It's just perfectly pitched as being like the cheeky chappy. He's not, he's not annoying or rude or disrespectful or bratty. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it, it, not. He's sort of on the cusp of that, but not. They they just get it right, and I think in in terms of the way he's written and the performance, it's just right. You yeah, know, you don't sort yeah. of think, oh, Clyde's a bit of a little, you know what? He's <laughs> but he's not. He's he's just that cheeky chappy, and he's very likable as well. And you can sort of tell he's got a good heart, isn't he? Sort of like you said, he, he underneath all the sort of silliness and bravado. He's actually a really likable character, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. And like yeah, you said, you he's not disrespectful. No. He's not one of those problem childs where he's, you know, constantly in detention or he's getting suspended, whatever. He's not that type of child. Mm. He's, or a young man, should I say, he's more of the, yeah, just that little cheekiness. Cheeky chappy. Cheeky chappy, yeah. Yeah. No. Did you um did you figure out that the, because I was thinking it was probably really obvious, but when it was revealed that the headmaster was um, Rani's dad. I was a bit like, oh, didn't, I didn't, didn't see that coming, but I probably should have done. <laughs> Did you see it coming? Because I was surprised. I was like, oh, that's a good little twist. And I was thinking, oh, I bet I'm the only one who didn't realise. <laughs> um, I don't want to be a show-off, but yeah, I did get you that. You did, yeah. yeah. I, I, probably most people did, to be fair. But no, when he got out of the car and he's like, it's not your dad, is it? I was like, oh, it's a dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the only reason I got that is because of the scene where they're in the classroom and he comes in, mm. it's Rani's face that gives it away. Oh, e- right, okay. Every every other kid in the in the class is sort of frozen on the spot with fear because the new strict headmaster has come in, but she's got a big grin on her face and almost kind of rolls her eyes a little bit. Right. So because she did that, I thought that's her dad. That's the, the new head is her dad, and yeah, she's like, it's "Oh, here we go." Very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think if you didn't. I think if you sort of breezed through that scene and focused on Clyde, then you probably wouldn't have got it. Cause yeah. He, yeah, because like for most of these two parts, really, Clyde's, like you said, he kind of steals the show a little bit, doesn't he? He's um, he's the guy, if you like. Yeah, I think he comes, he sort of, yeah, he comes, sort of saves the day really, yeah. doesn't he, at the end? Yeah, with his cheekiness, which is, it works very well, actually. It does, yeah. yeah. What did you think to the overall setup of the story then? Because we do... Because for most of the story, um, we don't know why the the clown or odd bob, whatever you want to call him, we don't know why he's there doing what he's doing. So did you like the fact that, because a lot of the times in Doctor Who, they they explain myths and legends as being aliens, don't they? Yeah. Like vampires of Venice. They're not vampires, they're aliens and so and so. Um, so with this one, the, the killer clown isn't, because Rani hints that it's like a supernatural thing. It's like a more of a ghosty, paranormal type thing. Whereas mm. they find out that, as is the case a lot of the times in Who, or Extended Who, that it's actually an alien that fell to Earth as part of this thing. And um, so what did you think to that? Because they could have gone down the paranormal, ghosty route. They could have stuck with that. But they decided to put more of a science, not a science, but you know, more of a sci-fi spin on it and say that it's it was it's an alien being Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, the only thing I, the thing I would like about that, I suppose, is that he he's sort of been resisting the pull of the rock, and Sarah Jane manages to break a bit often. She and he eventually sort of has to go back into it or whatever. Right, right. So that, in terms of story wise, I think that that works quite well actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't didn't really have a problem with it being alien tech again. I, I think it's kind of expected, really. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was kind mm. of. Because there's a, a scene early on where Clyde is, again, it comes back to Clyde, doesn't it? I think there's a scene where he says something like, oh, this, you know, we've seen aliens before and all that stuff. So it does sort of hint that this is an alien of some sort, but we just don't get it proven, I suppose. Straight away, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. But it's funny when Sarah Jane goes to the Something Institute. What is it? The, the Forest. 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 She goes to the Ferris Institute and they just let her in. Right, yeah, we've got the meteorite. Conveniently, this meteorite is on loan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To, the, yeah. to this institute and stuff, which is you can kind of, you know, skim over that, I suppose. It's um uh but it's funny when she the, the woman who's who shows Sarah Jane in and says, Look, this is I wouldn't normally do this, so you know, do your thing, but you know, nothing's gonna happen, is it? And Sarah Jane's like, No, you won't notice a difference. And then when yeah. she walks out, she just cuts a massive chunk off the corner. <laughs> so I would have been like, mm, yeah, I do notice a difference. There's a big corner missing. <laughs> See, this is the thing. These, these, it's weird, isn't it? I, I can totally excuse these sort of um, things because of the sort of audience this show is aimed at. I, if it was in Doctor Who, we'd probably be picking that, that sort of thing to bits where it'd be like, oh yeah, the doctor just walked in. But because it's aimed at a younger audience and it's done and written in such a fun way, it it works, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Does. Like I don't have any problem with it. I don't, I wouldn't pick it to bits like I would if it was, you know, in, in Doctor Who. Um, plus we get to see Floella Benjamin again. <laughs> I love Floella Benjamin. I mean, <laughs> she can't act for Toffee, bless her, but uh, <laughs> she, she's, because she's, you know, someone I remember from my childhood, it's just lovely to see her pop up on screen. Um, but she does, yeah, she's not the best actress, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, she's yeah. not great. No, no, but she, yeah, she plays the Professor Rivers and we saw her in a um, couple of, was it, must have been last series, I guess. Yeah, she was. We've seen her before, haven't we? They've they've been to the Faros place before, so she kind of already knows Sarah Jane. Exactly. Yeah. So she, I think she, Sarah Jane, stopped the big story from getting out into the press. So, yeah, yeah. Whatever it, happened yeah. before, um, yeah. yeah. I can't remember what episode that was, but yeah, she was in series one somewhere. And I don't mean to be rude about Floyd Benjamin because, as I said, I do I love her because she's part <laughs> of my childhood. But it's just her acting is a little bit. Um, OTT. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's for years of acting in very small children's, children's television. Shows. Yeah, yeah, you can sort of see that coming yeah. through. But it doesn't bother me at all, actually. In some ways, it's quite charming. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was some really cool, a couple of cool scenes where they're going through the whole investigative way of trying to figure out what the clown was and where he's from. You know, when they show Rani up into the attic and then Mr. Smith makes yes. his entrance the little... limit, Ed, does he have to have that music every time can't he <laughs> like first couple of episodes yeah but can't he just yeah anyway the little fanfare yeah he does have a massive fanfare I mean yeah. god if they ever have an emergency he takes about 10 minutes to come out the wall <laughs> <laughs> come on Mr. Smith come for goodness on. sake yeah. cut the music yeah um, yeah so <laughs> they have a cool scene with that don't they where they're trying to figure out all that stuff and they're using Mr. Smith and he's scanning stuff and 
and all that lot. So I like scenes like that. It's really cool. I love seeing that, yeah. When you have them all round uh, Mr. Smith in the attic and they're doing their thing and it's really cool. It's like, feels like a proper little club and... I like the I fact like he gets it. all huffy. He's like, I haven't been introduced, I don't believe. And they're, oh, yeah, sorry, this is the Rani. <laughs> oh, I yeah. keep saying the Rani as well. Why is she called Rani? I keep saying the Rani. Well, obvious reasons, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like the fact Mr. Smith's like, uh, <clears throat> is anyone going to introduce me? Because <laughs> he is a personality, isn't he? I know he's voiced by Alexander Armstrong, but he does a, a great job of making that computer have a, an actual personality. A bit like K9, isn't it? Someone you... Oh, he's old Mr. Smith. You kind of like Mr. Smith, even though he's just a big old massive computer in a wall. (laughs) Yeah, and it's cool as well that Luke gives um, a a tiny little explanation as well that he's a Zylock and and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that was kind of cool. But no, I like those those scenes. And and then it all sort of culminates, doesn't it, with the, the showdown at the circus place, which actually just looks like a shop on a high street. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I thought that. A bit budget budget constraints there I think yeah mm. no I'll more tell you, big tent near a quarry no no well, the BBC blew that up <laughs> I'll tell you what it does the, the attic set looks so cosy I'd love to I'd love to just go to that set or I'd love to just you know if it was a real place just go to the attic wouldn't you sort of got the windows and Mr. Smith in the wall and big old comfy sofa every time I see it I'm like oh, I'd love to just spend yeah. a couple of hours in that attic It'd be really cool if you had a big old house like that. Yeah. With a proper attic, you would. Yeah, it's just got it it's got a lovely um just vibe about it, hasn't it? It's got mm. like these old, like you said, these big old comfy sofas dotted around and Yeah. The big screen and there's alien tech just littered everywhere and <laughs> it's right. I'm assuming canine's still in the wall fighting Probably whatever whatever it is, it is he's <laughs> fighting it, holding back that supernova or whatever he's doing. Um I keep waiting for him to pop up. I'm sure he must come into it again. I'm, I think but, he does. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I like it actually because it, it's again. It when he does pop up, it's going to be like, oh, here he is. It's mm. going to be a little treat, isn't it? Whereas if he was in it every week, it'd be really boring, I suppose. That's true. So yeah, yeah a bit like we said about the Sonic. Is kind of like it when it's just now and again. It's like, oh, there's the Sonic. You know, it's going to be there's K9 when he does pop up. Yeah. If he pops up, if he pop- I think he does. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure he must. Uh, the culmination and the showdown, because it kind of comes in two forms. There's a bit where Sarah Jane goes to the circus initially, and she gets well, that's when she first meets um, all three incarnations of the clown. So she sees him as um, as Elijah Spellman, you know, like the ring leader, yeah. circus leader, mm. and then he morphs into the Pied Piper from the old legend style, and then he morphs into Odd Bob as well. And uh, so that was really cool. That was pretty much, that was part of the creep. I mean, in terms of creepiness in the story, there are a couple of scenes where he's very, very creepy for a kid's TV show. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. There's a couple of bits early on where um, Clyde sees him in the mirror in the school, but doesn't see him, you know, only sees him in a reflection, which is really creepy. Mm. And uh, the bit in the woods at the beginning where the kid goes to get the football and sees him, and his face comes up to the camera. And there was a bit where Sarah Jane goes there the first time and she sees all these other clowns and you think they're just, um, what's the word? Mannequins. Mannequin, yeah. And then she sees him and they come to life. That's already creepy. And then the second bit is when they go there towards the end, just before the kids go in there. And that's when Clyde and Rani turn up and Luke. And uh, they have a bit of a showdown with him where Clyde obviously 
flips it around and weakens him with the jokes and laughter and so on. Mm. But those two scenes were fairly good, I thought. They couldn't do too much with budget. It's all in one or two rooms, really. Um, and then the whole mirror scene was quite cool. But That was quite cool, yeah, where Luke gets snatched and put in a mirror. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, those, those scenes I thought were pretty good. I, I did feel slightly anticlimactic, I suppose, when he does get defeated by the laughter. Because I was thinking it, it took a while. It was a bit of a slow burn at this because they were trying to introduce the new family as well. Yeah, the sort of yeah. clown stuff, you know, was sort of the sort of second half of it, really. Um, so it, for me, it did, when he got defeated, I was a bit like, it didn't have that sort of, I don't know, it felt a little flat, just a little. Yeah, wasn't. I didn't yeah. sit there thinking, oh, that was bad, but it did feel a little, oh, is that it then, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Because yep. he was very creepy in the scenes, like you said, when he was being creepy. And and, and the scene with the, where all the clowns come alive and were chasing them out of the... The circus was really cool. That you know, the end of episode one. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just overall, that the ending just felt just a tiny bit flat for me. Found like he didn't. As I said, it felt like he didn't do enough. If you know what I mean, there's just scenes of him popping up and disappearing a lot, and then then he got put back in the rock. And I just thought it was such a good character and so well played by Bradley Walsh. Um, maybe maybe it's because the children's program. Maybe they could only go so far, I suppose. But yeah, would have been nice to see him do a bit more. I yeah. Think. No, so there was um, so Bradley Walsh did play that those three characters really well, especially Odd jo- Odd Bob. I keep I keep want to say Odd Job. Yeah, Odd um, Bob. <laughs> um, but Odd Bob, because when he played Spellman, the ring, the circus leader, he did have a level of creepiness about that character. Yeah, just the way he was always really calm, but quite. You see, that's sinister. that's the one I think I liked the best. Actually, I liked him when he was the the ring yeah. leader. Ring leader. Yeah really sort of sinister in a calm way. Mm. Um, the Pied Piper only saw little flashes of that. Yeah. But when he was Odd Bob, he had this, because he did that accent so well on that creepy mm. grin and stuff, That I found that really, really creepy. That was really Stephen. If there was anything that was sort of the most borrowed from Stephen King, it was that character. Yeah. Which was almost like, again, unfortunately, a bit of a carbon copy from Pennywise from it. But mm. Bradley Walsh, however, played that, those parts, especially Spellman and Oddbob, so well, really just believably creepy. It was very creepy. Yeah. I mean, it was great to see him playing um, such a different role to Graham yeah. and, you know, to see him, you know, the only other thing I've seen him ever do was as a detective. So it was great to see him playing this evil, creepy villain. Um, and he did it really well because, like you said, you know, it's very easy to slip into pantomime evil especially when you're dressed as a clown of course yeah. um but yeah. his level of of um of of dread and you know the sort of the, the looks and stuff he was giving was really good very sort of unnerving i've got one small criticism though what bradley uh, yeah oh yeah I, I, and i'm not sure it's him it might have been a direction but all right 95% of the time he's always standing still I would have liked, liked to have seen him more animated, especially as Odd Bob. Yeah. Especially yeah. when he's playing Spellman. The whole time he's talking in those scenes, he's not moving at all. And yeah, I think you might be onto something there. Maybe that's why I feel that we would have been artists in him doing more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other than obviously seeing him walking around early on in the story just for a split second before he vanishes, whenever he's talking, even towards the end, where... Clyde's and Rani are cracking the jokes and stuff. He's not really trying to get away. He's not trying to attack them or anything. He's just literally standing on the spot. 
just yeah. you know so I'd have liked to have seen him be more mobile and animated and that sort of thing but other than that I thought Bradley Walsh played him really really well yeah I do yeah I, I do see what you mean by that yeah mm. and then he gets encapsulated into the meteorite and then that's another another little piece of merch for Sarah Jane to put on the show. <laughs> yes, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. It'd be cool uh, to look at all of the alien stuff that's just oh, littered around the attic. Loads up there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Really. And it's also cool is the stuff up on the wall. You have to kind of look out for it, but mm. there's. I'm sure there's like little continuity pieces up on the oh, wall. Oh, there is. There must Definitely. be loads. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The Day of the Clown. Let's speak about some characters before we get on to scores. Uh, we've mm. spoken about um, uh, Ronnie's dad, the head, already. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, he was okay, wasn't he? he? Was Yeah, he was just played the typical strict headmaster fairly flat, yeah. really. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, he played it in a way that um, you'd expect a strict headmaster to be. Mm. You know, yeah. The thing is, I, I mean, I've, I've got to try hard not to compare because I really liked uh, Maria and her dad. I thought they were there sort of, I grew to really like those two. So that obviously, like yeah. you said, for want of a better word, this is the replacement family. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just sort of, I'm trying not to compare the two because they're totally different. Uh, but I was sort of thinking, yeah, so far, you know, he's, I'm not warm to him <laughs> yet. I'm sure I will. But so far, he's a bit stuffy and strict and like, yeah, you know, like a headmaster should be. But exactly. yeah, he's not sort of likable like Maria's dad was, is he? Yet. Not yet. And I think that's because the majority of times that we've seen him, he's either <clears> been <throat> in school, so he has to give off this very, because he feels like yeah. the standards have dropped in the school. So he has to be this strict sort of headmaster. And the other times when we've seen him at home, it's when Luke and Clyde have been around, and I don't think he wants to drop his guards, so to speak, yeah. around them because he has to sort of, you know, kick their bottoms a little bit when they're in school. Uh, but no, I think, and there were a couple of little times where he almost cracked a smile and a little grin. Yeah, I was going to say, know. I think we'll get to see another side of him, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then Rani's mum then, by, by Mina Anwar, she was, uh, I feel like she's played this character a couple of times now in different things. Yeah, I was going to say that. Where? Yeah, definitely. I, I just um, feel like she's not typecast, but I feel like we've seen this this side of um, of Mina in some other things as well. No, I felt exactly the same. She, yeah. I was thinking, oh, I don't know what I've seen, what else I've seen her in, but it feels like she's playing exactly the same character that she always does, um, which is very likable, especially when she's. I loved it when she kept calling Sarah Jane Sarah, and Sarah Jane's like Jane, and she just just wouldn't say the whole name. Well, that was quite a nice little touch. Um, she's a little over the top. I'm hoping she'll settle down. Her acting was a bit OTT, wasn't it? Like you said, very much playing the same character she always used to play. That sort of bubbly, hello there. So yeah, um, I think she could be good, but yeah, she's a little bit OTT in this first episode. I thought a little bit. Yeah, but I did enjoy the scenes of her and Sarah Jane. They were fun. They were cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about... Um, so we had a tiny little cameo from Maria at the beginning. Yeah. And that just turns Luke into a bloody wet blanket for the whole, <laughs> the whole story. He does turn into a bit of a wet blanket, doesn't he, in this? Actually, that's why I think Clyde takes the lead, because Luke does seem to mope around a lot. And, you know, Clyde gets a great line about Heat Magazine as well at one point. I can't remember what he's on about. Is it... 
he says something about Johnny Depp. Oh no, actually no, sorry, Luke says that, doesn't he? It's not yeah. Clyde, it's Luke. Yeah. So yeah, Luke does get a great line yeah. uh, towards yeah. the end when he says about Johnny <laughs> Depp, and he says, "Oh, I read it in uh, in a encyclopedia called Heat or something like that." But anyway, yeah. But apart from that, he doesn't really get a lot lot to do, does he? No, he doesn't have the like in some of the other series one stories, especially he uh, he kind of saves the day a few times with his insane intellect and. But yeah, in this one, he's just a bit of a a bit of a moper because Maria's not around anymore, and he misses her, and then he gets trapped in a mirror, and he's oh, let me out, let me yeah. out. So he's a bit of a, I mean, looks really cool. I mean, you know. Oh, I like I like Tommy Knight. He's a very yeah, he's very not, cool. Not, he didn't shine in this no. episode like Clyde did. No, uh, we've spoken about Professor Rivers, Florella Benjamin. Um, mm. uh, okay, let's talk about the new girl on the block then. Yeah, Rani. Rani. Um, yeah, won't beat around the bush. She does come across as a direct replacement for Maria. But yeah. as you said, the family are very different. So it isn't a sort of one-for-one one swap. They do something quite different with those guys where Maria was very, wow, 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 this is amazing. I can't believe it. Whereas Rani, like you said, she's very much, well, you know, I'm into, she, I think she actually says it in episode one. She says, I'm into weird, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That stuff. So <laughs> that's she's, when she finds out that it could potentially be alien, threat and all that lot she's she's really up for it and she wants to know the truth and so i i really like her character so far i think she's she's not got an annoying nosiness to her mm. but her intrigue and she wants because her character's kind of spoiled isn't it by her mum when she's talking to sarah jane she's like oh my rani you know she's she doesn't want to yeah. be sidelined and she wants to know everything and so she kind of her character kind of is a bit of a spoilers dropped early on as to what she's like. So unfortunately, we don't get to discover what she's like naturally just by by watching her character. However, I do quite like her. She's got a likability. And she seems to have slotted into the attic family, if you like, quite nicely. Oh, I would say that, definitely. She's obviously being written as a strong character, which mm. I like. She's, you know, like you said, she's ready to get stuck right in. She's not going to be scared by alien tech. She's, in fact, if anything, she wants to know as much about it as possible. So I like that. She's coming across as a very strong character, fitted in very nicely with the attic team. Um, lovely scene between her and Sarah Jane about halfway through looking at the stars. And I thought, you know, cause Sarah Jane obviously doesn't want anyone else joining the group at the start, but she very quickly warms towards mm. Rani um and also she handles some of the humor well uh like when their mum <laughs> she's got like a defense beam isn't she and her <laughs> mum walks in and it sort of literally knocks her out she's like oh quick turn it off uh so there was some nice scenes like that um so yeah what only one episode in but i'm already liking rani and think uh i think she's gonna be uh a good part of this attic team yes. yeah yeah absolutely uh speaking about clyde speaking about luke sarah jane then Sarah Jane, she I thought she was particular. I mean, she's always good, but I thought she was very, very good in this story in, in terms of the sort of emotional uh, side of the acting that, that we got from her, the sort of fear of having another kid join her gang and the danger that might bring and mm-hmm. and dealing with the humorous side of it as well when she's checking out the house. I just thought everything she did was really good. And she did look proper terrified of Bradley Walsh as well. I think... Um, you know, when people say, oh, I'm scared of clowns. So again, it's very easy to go OTT with your acting. Of, oh, it's a clown. Yeah. But her, she did it all with her face rather than like screaming or going hysterical. And she did look proper scared of Bradley. Maybe she was scared of, of um, 
clowns. I don't know. But everything she just did in this episode seemed to be on point, whether she was doing humor, doing serious, doing emotional. It just, she just hit the mark absolutely spot on uh, in her performance. So she, I thought, just thought she was really good in this one. Yeah. No, I agree with you, mate. She She's definitely got the acting chops, hasn't she, Liz Sladen? Well, she's really yeah. strong as well. Like, you know, the scenes when she walks into the professor you know, Floella Benjamin, she's chatting to her and Floella's sort of reading off the lines, but um, Liz is just very st- sort of straight to the point. Yep. Don't worry about it. And it's, you know, it's a very natural acting that we get from her Yeah. Um, in terms of her performance, but yeah, just really, really good. I just, I love her on screen, you know, even like, <laughs> so she gets the old Sonic lipstick out and it doesn't annoy me like the Sonic because she doesn't get it out every two minutes. She just, she uses it and I oh, just, she's stuck into the action and, the next minute she's doing an emotional scene with with Rani and it's just she's just so good on screen. I just love her. She is very good. Yeah. Yeah. And consistent as well. Absolutely consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really it's really uh and I I would one thing I noted down is that she genuinely looked terrified in some of those scenes with the clowns. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. It made me wonder if she actually genuinely hated clowns. I think she really does look yeah. Well, they, yeah. they definitely played it up with her character because they had a couple of little flashbacks, didn't they, where she was a little nipper and the little clown hanging on her wardrobe. And That's right. Yeah. So I was still confused by that. I'm not sure if that clown actually did sort of animate itself during the thunderstorm or if it was just her mind sort of playing tricks on her. They never... No, it's kind of didn't didn't really explain it, but yeah. I kind of like that. It's left up to your own imagination. Yeah, really, it's not but. a bad thing. Yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. Anything else you want to mention, mate? Before we get some scores down, um, just looking at my list. No, I think pretty much covered it actually. Right, it's you to go first. Yeah, me to go first. So I, I thought this was good, um, and uh, another sort of solid two part. Not not my favourite that we've had so far. So I'm going to go for a seven out of ten. Which is a okay. you know just decent. It wasn't. I don't think it was brilliant. Um, I know a lot of people love this one, and I do wonder if I went into it with slightly high expectations, maybe because I was the trailer looked brilliant as well, and mm. I I was expecting I was expecting slightly better, um, yeah. Yeah. maybe. But but I did really enjoy it anyway. So seven out of ten for me. Well, what about you? Yeah, cool. I'm going to match you on that, mate, with a seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Initially, I was thinking it was probably a, an eight. Um. But then when I read through my notes and as we've spoken about it, I just can't get past the fact that it's almost a carbon copy of Stephen King's It. Um, so I was, if they'd have done something a bit, it just tweaked the story a little bit so it didn't copy so much, hmm. then um, then it probably would have been scored higher. But yeah, it was just because it was unoriginal in its story elements, really. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree with that, yeah. But a good watch nonetheless. Yeah, definitely a fun watch, yeah. 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 Right, yeah, what did our listeners think? We had a couple of audio clips in. Let's kick off Ooh. with Sammy from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, the day of the clown. That Bradley Walsh is very good at being scary. Mr. Spellman slash Oddball slash Pied Piper or whatever else he was is really creepy. Poor Sarah Jane. Childhood traumas coming back to life is not pleasant. I really enjoyed this one. The whole morphing from one aspect of the clown alien entity to another was really well done. Laughter conquers fear. Nice one, Clyde. I give it nine scary clowns out of ten. See ya. Nine. Nine. High score, yeah. Nice one, Clyde. Cool, yep. Uh, uh, Second audio review. This is Lewis Palmer. 
Hello to the Blue Box Podcast. Happy 2019. I haven't sent in an audio review in months, but uh, I thought I would for this one because the Day of the Clown is an incredibly um, special story for me. Um, I remember vividly watching this, um, having seen most of the first series and really enjoying it and watching this and being put off the show forever. And I didn't go back to it until years later because it terrified me. I had nightmares for years about this. I saw a clown at my window staring into me at school for just years after this. Um, and now now that I'm sort of... It, it sort of gave me my fear of clowns, to be honest. Now that I'm sort of out of that, it's uh, I can appreciate it. just such a great episode. It's so scary. Bradley Walsh is amazing in it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful episode. And just it, it shows how amazing Sarah Jane is. Um, as a series it's, it's just great so um yeah terrifying but uh yeah thanks guys pretty creeped out is lewis yeah i i you know i was kept thinking as well if i was um if i was of a certain age when i was watching this i think i would have absolutely loved it as well and i as i said i did enjoy it but i think you know the age group this is sort of aimed at would would absolutely love this episode it would creep the hell out of you yeah um yeah. and you know they wouldn't be sat there thinking like me and you oh this is a carbon copy of it because they may not be even old enough to have watched it do you know what i mean so yeah. i i can absolutely get why s- someone of a certain age a mm. young age would would adore this episode yeah yeah no absolutely mm. right. yeah Thank you guys for sending in your audio clips. Uh, we had a bunch of you guys sending stuff over on Twitter and Facebook. Let's breeze through a few of these, see what you guys thought over on Twitter. Uh, our writer Jordan Shortman says, I quite like Day of the Clown. I'm terrified of clowns, so this one has always stuck in my mind. I remember Bradley Walsh being great in it, and it is a strong introduction to Rani, my favourite member of the gang. Overall oh. enjoyable story that gets forgotten due to other tales. Favourite member, eh? You know, uh, Day Skin uh, says... Um, Said it months ago, in this episode, we have basically the same team as Series 11. Mm-hmm. And though it wasn't the most epic season, uh, the cast wasn't the problem. Sarah Jane uh, proves, sorry, Sarah Jane Adventures proves that a female lead works too. Bradley makes a creepy clown. And for me, Rani is more interesting than Maria. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, mean, I, I can't judge it on one episode, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yes. Mm. Uh, Morgan, our good friend Morgan says it's brilliant. Rani proves herself as one of the gang almost immediately, and the story yeah. shows off Bradder's versatile acting abilities. The plot seems to be based off of it by Stephen King, but still manages to feel fresh. Odd Bob is bloody terrifying here too. Seven point two, seven point two red balloons out of ten. All right, okay, yeah. Cool. Uh, who else? The Who Society says one of the most favourite SJA episodes. Bradley Walsh was phenomenal with all the characters he played. Liz Layden also really stood out in this episode, maybe a bit cheesy at times. The music is on point. Always remember getting really freaked out by this episode. Nine out of ten. Mm. Cool. Uh, Daniel Fox. Um, not only my all-time favourite SJA story by a long shot, it has also kept uh, a key part of my childhood that got me into Who. Uh, although I don't get scared by much Bradley Walsh's odd bob absolutely terrified me as a nipper 10 out of 10 Uh, Adam our good friend Adam Starman Uh, a solid two part in what I'd say is a solid season of SJA on here Uh, my introduction to the brilliant um, Bradley Walsh and Liz Sladen gives a truly excellent performance throughout can't wait for Bradders 
third studio album. <laughs> uh, Jake Burtwistle, brilliant episode uh, that used to terrify me. Great introduction to Rani. Great acting all round. Nine out of ten. The Hooniverse. I don't remember this one well, but I can remember being incredibly creeped out by the clown. And Bradley uh, does a great job being menacing. Mm. Um, Sarah, the running Hoovian. Uh, brilliant, playing on two very real fears of clowns and lost children in a genius storyline, and the music enhanced the scariness perfectly. Uh, great performances from all involved, and particularly love to see Bradley Walsh delivering a great character. 9.5. Oh. And Lou Gallagher says, uh, ruddy brilliance. Amazing yeah. performances from all, the highlight being Bradley Walsh, who perhaps is more highlighted now with Series 11. Uh, Clyde, my favourite, also really starts to come into his own, and Narani makes a good impression. 8.5. Ooh. that's it for Twitter let's um, have a few picked out from Facebook uh, Dean Jones fantastic story 9 out of 10 Joseph Howarth uh, it's weird to think that Bradley Walsh would later become Graham in the main show funny how life works out yeah um, goes on to say uh, definitely acts his socks off in this one as Odd Bob and I did uh, like the little easter egg of one of the clowns from the Celestial Toymaker Oh, yeah, I spotted that on the laptop. Yes, I thought that was a nice little inclusion. Blinking, you'd miss it. Yes, yeah, that's kind of cool. We give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, Carl uh, Elwell says, uh, I think any of the mainstream media channels should seriously think about giving Bradley Walsh a leading role. As I believe he has a huge range of acting abilities here. He can clearly act uh, and is menacing. Uh, His clown is absolutely freaky. Uh, My wife, Natasha Aylott, says, Why is it always clowns? clowns they are creepy aren't they, they? are creepy yes yeah. uh, daniel hickey says never watched sarah jane but have ordered the box set now we'll miss this one but ready to review the other ones looking forward to it thanks guys you've convinced me to watch oh excellent good stuff you won't be disappointed daniel no. miles mckenzie a great story really like the intro to rani uh the characters all around just mixed so well bradley walsh was amazing uh really great performance all the cast are brilliant one of my favorites from sarah jane nine out of ten mm, nice there we go um I can't remember if we decided pre-Christmas or New Year, whatever, but did you put stuff out on your Geeks Handbag channel if you can? No, (laughs) no, because I figured we were getting so much on the podcast stuff now. I thought, no, otherwise we'd we'd be doing about an hour of of listeners' feedback, which is great, but uh, Yeah. yeah, no, so I didn't. No worries. No. Adam's channel does get swamped (laughs) from time to time, especially when we do like the newer Doctor Who as well. I think we had like 40-odd comments. Oh, man. Series 11 has been crazy. Yeah, Yeah. crazy. So thank you so much, guys, for sending in your audio clips and tweets and Facebook messages and stuff. It's very much appreciated. The Day of the Clown. Day of the Clown, yeah. I'm glad that person reminded me about the the um, cameo, the picture from the Celestial Toymaker as well, Mm. because I I wrote that down and forgot to mention it. Yeah, I thought it was a lovely little little, uh, nugget. A little nugget. A little Easter egg in there, yeah. Okay, next week, it's diving back into classic Doctor Who. Classic, yeah. So what have we got to review next week, buddy? Next week, so this has been on the radar for a while, actually. It's about time we got around to doing this one. It will be the fourth Doctor story, Genesis of the Daleks, next week. Yay. Yes, bit of Tom. Yes, we've been asked to do this one for so long, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, yeah. I'd say ages. Yeah, I'd I'd probably say once every month, on average, we get some kind of tweet or Facebook message to say, have you guys done Genesis of the Daleks yet? Hmm. Or if not, you should do it. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, I remember when yeah. we saw it at the BFI as well, we we're like, yeah, we must do, we must do that one. Yeah. So and we are week, doing it. Genesis. Yeah. Yes. Genesis of the Daleks. Genesis of the Daleks. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Get that watched because as always, we'll be asking for your thoughts and uh, mini reviews on that. So um, <laughs> yeah, we need you to watch it first. I think we'll do it, buddy, for 216. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for episode 216 and sending in your reviews and thoughts, etc. for the day of the clown. Very much appreciated. Next week, Genesis of the Daleks. Looking forward to your thoughts on that one. It's generally viewed as one of the best in Classic Who. However, I know that there are people out there who have got some feelings on it that counter that view. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. In the meantime, though, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the shows on there. Plus, there are buttons to link off to the various podcast networks so that you can subscribe to the show and never miss it when it lands every Friday. There are also buttons on there to nip off to the social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. We chat plenty of who during the week. Also, check out Adam's channel, The Geek's, the Geeks Handbag. handbag. Yeah, yeah. Head over to YouTube, do a search for The Geek's Handbag, give Adam a sub, drop a load of likes on his videos, some really cool stuff there. Mm. And you're also on the usual socials as well under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. That's it. As I said, we chat plenty of food during the week, so give us a like and a follow and uh, get stuck in. Really cool community around the podcast. Loads of chat. It's very, very cool. We will see you next week. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, 